Chapter Two of Maccabee's Art of Ventriloquism and Vocal Illusions. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Abai in October 2014. Maccabee's Art of Ventriloquism and Vocal Illusions by Frederick Maccabee. Chapter Two the vocal organs and their movements in uttering sounds and vocalization the human voice has a power influence scope and reach little known possessed by all mankind with very few exceptions its faculty and physiological structure are misinterpreted from the time of galen to that of dodard and ferrain in the eighteenth century scientists have compared the organ of the voice to a flute and with that definition science remained perfectly content the voice is the product of the actions of a complex system of the most delicate tone generating vocal cords acted upon by the lungs through its feeding pipes conveying the breath to the cavities formed in the mouth by the different and varying actions of the glottis the tongue and the lips there have been comparisons made between the mechanism of the voice and the aeolian harp or the reed of the oboe but the most perfect musical invention ever made falls immeasurably short in capacity when compared with that of the human organism every vocal articulation made in tones or noises requires the corresponding adjustment of the respective organs whose function it is to contribute to the enunciation of sound this wonderful activity is seen in the facial muscles in the movement of the lower jaw of the lips and even in the participating expression of the eyes strange as it may seem every normal human being that is every human being born without physical defect is naturally formed to emit or utter all the sounds made by any other being no matter what may be the language of his country it is due to the associations surrounding the individual that he acquires only the habit or use of a limited number of articulations or expressions and knows nothing of any other it is only recently that science by the means of a newly discovered instrument called the laryngoscope which acts as a mirror in showing the action and vibrating changes of the vocal organs has been enabled to define the natural laws on which all sounds of the human voice depend and these are found to be the same in both sexes in all mankind it has been ascertained that speech is the result of the combined workings of two very different sections of our vocal organs the effect can be observed in the difference between noise and tone in whisperings there is only a muffled vibration of the air in the cavity of the mouth occasioned by the action of the tongue and lips but when the cords in the larynx are excited by the breath then come tone and voice the speaking is thus changed from a whisper to loud talking and as with whispering so with whistling the vocal cords have no play in the vital function of the lungs there are two modes of respiration in one of which by a continued emission of breath is noted a slight noise as in ordinary breathing or sighing 
but when the vocal cords impede the passage there is a jarring noise as in snoring or groaning the other mode is when the breath is ejected by repeated jets as in laughter crying and sobbing and in speaking or singing in all of which there is more or less vocalization when it is considered that the action of the respiratory and vocal organs are for the most part involuntary it is not surprising that their neglect entails a multitude of evils which the many are either unconscious of or do not notice continued speech or continued reading is to many a most fatiguing ordeal that which ought to be a pleasure is an insufferable strain through the want of a knowledge of the nature of the voice and of the natural law which governs the act of inspiration with easy and regular inspiration or breathing a moderate expenditure of breath is sufficient for the various vocal and syllabic sounds as in conversation or even in singing the voice should never be strained and whenever there is discomfort in vocalization the effort should be stayed for a while for it is only by practice that sounds of a high grade can be perfectly made this is of essential importance to all who desire to conserve the voice whether for the purpose of speaking singing or ventriloquizing to disregard this consideration is to render a certain failure in all attempts at perfection in these arts for it is to be borne in mind that all these are various modes of vocalization regarding the conservation of the voice it is obvious that everything depends upon a healthy and normal state of the vocal organs both as regards the vital functions of respiration and inspiration and as regards the membranous fibres and cartilages of the throat also swollen tonsils arising from cold will entirely prejudice and hinder the proper action of the lungs and the sensitive vocal instruments and thereby affect the general health we have all read that man had breathed into his nostrils the breath of life the lips and mouth are not the true organs of inspiration or breathing it is a prostitution of their functions to delegate to them the duties of another that organ which nature has wisely appointed the neglect of this obvious fact lays exposed by the delicately formed mouth the exquisitely sensitive membranes and filaments of the throat and the still more delicate lungs to the keen penetrating atmosphere thick and miasmatic if hot and equally dangerous if freezingly cold children ought to be taught these physiological truths in their early days the firmly compressed lips there is no doubt influence the character and have much to do with that self-possession and stamp of decision which are in fact the characteristics of an expressive countenance the more these facts are generally known the fewer will be the wheezy husky voices everywhere heard a pamphlet by kathleen entitled shut your mouth treats this subject in an exhaustive and convincing manner and should be read by every one who desires to preserve in a healthy state the vocal and respiratory organs all the varieties of which the human voice is capable in the vocalization of sounds come under the following general category one quality such as rough smooth harsh guttural deep 
full, shrill, thin, or musical. 2. Force Strong, weak, feeble, loud, or faint. 3. Time Long, short, quick, rapid, or slow. 4. Abruptness Sudden and full discharge of sound, explosive. 5. Pitch High or low, rise or fall. According to Dr. James Rush of Philadelphia, the purest and most plastic sounds in the English language are heard in the usual sounds of the initial letters in the following words, twelve in number. All, art, an, ale, hour, isle, old, eel, ooze, er, and in and are produced by the joint functions of the larynx and the adaptable conformation of the mouth and lips in ventriloquism however all the outward manifestations have to be carefully avoided all these elementary sounds can be uttered with more force and emphasis than any other he calls these various sounds of the vowels tonic sounds the next category consists of a number of sounds having properties similar to those of the vowels or tonics, but different in degree. Such are the consonants in the following words, fourteen in number. Bow, dare, give, vile, zone, ye, woe, then, azure, sing, love, may not row from their inferiority to the tonics he calls them subtonics these have all the vocality but in some there is combined an aspiration their vocality is modified by the action of the lips teeth tongue and nose the remaining sounds nine in number are aspirations which have no vocality they are found produced by a current of the whispering breath, as heard in the following words. Up, out, arc, if, yes, he, wheat, thin, push. These he calls atonics. These make up the number of elemental sounds to thirty-five. The utterances of M, N, and NG are purely nasal. If their vocality were dropped, any attempt to utter them would be mere snuffling. The liquid expression of L is often marred by a deformity of utterance, generally caused by a fullness of the tongue or of too much moisture thereon. The subtonic R is often blurred by an imperfect rattling of the tip of the tongue against the upper teeth. The guttural r is occasioned by the vibration of the uvula at the back of the mouth. No pure tones can be given without a careful and full resonance of these so-called tonics and subtonics. It is upon the basis of these elementary sounds that the art of phonography or shorthand writing is instituted by giving a sign to each of these sounds. 
the natural voice is that used in ordinary speaking and has a range from the lowest sound to that point where it is said to break at this point the natural voice gives place to the falsetto a peculiar sharp shrillness of tone in which may be included a cry a scream or a yell the falsetto is incapable of uttering the atonics the highest character of the speaking voice is however the orotund so called by dr rush to designate that full resounding musical tone in expressing any of the elementary sounds and which he considers the only proper voice to use the one that is cultivated and not vitiated by the growth of natural defects as is the case with nearly all neglected or uncultivated natural voices the orotund voice can only be acquired by careful practice in correctly intonating all the tonic and subtonic sounds which gains for the voice an elasticity strength depth and clearness of resonance agreeably surprising to any one who may not have given any previous attention thereto the result is a ringing and musical quality quite delightful to hear and listen to but rarely heard except from an occasional orator or actor on the stage by degrees there is acquired in this practice a beautifully distinct pronunciation a depth of power and intonation which it must be noted are highly essential in vocalizing ventriloquially this full deep-chested voice is not fatiguing for it requires no undue exertion the lower tones or sounds do not require so many vibrations of the vocal cords as the upper notes and hence do not waste or exhaust the breathing powers for if the lungs be naturally filled with air every note or sound especially on the lower scale can be made with ease and regularity with its due proportion of breath necessary for so doing but any attempt to raise the voice beyond its just natural pitch and persist in its maintenance will be as needlessly fatiguing and will create as speedy an exhaustion as when instead of walking one were to run always at full speed thus the inference is plain that nature permits only a just and moderate use of its powers the penalty for the infringement being loss of strength and exhaustion these cautions are especially necessary to all who intend practicing ventriloquism he who possesses a voice of this orotund character can better encounter the additional strain on the vocal organs necessitated by directing their functions to a new and strange exercise which however will become more and more easy with moderate and regular practice a ventriloquial voice of whatever character it may be requires a retention of the inspired air in the lungs which calls for some additional support for the abdominal muscles the diaphragm of the stomach and the muscles of the chest the cavity in the mouth is enlarged as well as that in the glottis and the passage of the air checked by the retraction of the tongue which muffles the sound of the vocal cords and causes the voice to sound as from a distance thus new conformations are made in the mouth by the varying positions of the tongue and by drawing the lips down on one side or the other which materially changes the sounds of the voice for through being so muffled 
they are originated from a greater depth in the larynx and ventricles and thereby acquire those characteristics which are called ventriloquial now it has been ascertained by repeated ocular examinations with the laryngoscope previously mentioned and only recently discovered that only the lower vocal cords serve directly for the generations of sound that the vibration of these cords in the production of sound from the ventricles is an established fact from the evidence of personal consciousness of the tremor in the chest when they are in action it is also confirmed from the following observations each of the parallel pairs of cords forms between the edges a slit running anteroposteriorly called the glottis the lower or true vocal cords approach in vocalization to close contact while the upper cords scarcely move and leave a wide elliptical opening between them as the upper cords have their points of attachment posteriorly and higher they form with the two lower cords two lateral cavities the ventricles the two pairs of cords are the free interior edges of the membrane lining the whole larynx and extending into it to the right and left more or less stretched and presenting resistance to the air forcibly expelled from the lungs through the trachea they are thus made to vibrate the upper or false vocal cords do not cooperate with them to generate tone but like all the remaining parts of the mouth and throat belong to the resonance apparatus of the voice to which also appertains the back part of the mouth the pharynx above the esophagus that is the throat or gullet this is separated from the anterior cavity of the mouth by the soft palate the form and place of which in the mouth every one knows when a normal voice utters its lowest tones upon the vowel a this being the vowel sound most favorable for observation the following may be observed in the mirror the arytenoid cartilages with great rapidity raise their points the cartilages of santorini in their mucous membranous covering and close firmly together in like manner the vocal cords approach each other until their edges touch through their entire length the upper or false vocal cords likewise approach each other leaving however a space between them when the scale is slowly sung upward legato step by step the above described movement of the cartilages and the vocal cords is repeated with every new tone partly separating and partly closing again the vocal cords in the production of the lowest tones of the voice are moved through their whole length and breadth by large loose vibrations which are communicated to the other parts of the interior of the larynx with every higher tone the glottis is somewhat shortened and the vocal cords are more and more stretched the raising of the pitch is thus effected by the greater stretching and shortening to a certain point to those who may not have given any attention to this study it is almost inconceivable to realize the wonderful and unique organism of the human voice and this seems none the less strange when it is considered that every one of us possesses it with more or less its scope and powers 
its fullness melody and reach it is the careful training of this delicately formed organism which gives to speakers singers and ventriloquists all their several fine tones and modulations in fact all their characteristic effects to the speakers and singers who so often complain of fatigue the suggestion is very apposite as each may have reason enough to corroborate they have been straining after effect most ventriloquists have acknowledged that they have often experienced fatigue in the chest which they have attributed to the slow respiration of the breath in exercitation although probably it is due to persisting in a high-pitched voice when a middle voice would serve well enough as a contrast to the ordinary one for perfecting the vocal powers it is necessary therefore to allow the voice to habituate its tones to the orotund basis or timbre as it is called and then it will be better adapted to the development of even more difficult and astonishing powers than it would otherwise be capable of for none of these qualities can be attained by either occasional or constant forcing or straining but by moderate and regular efforts success is certain temperament has a great influence on the tone of the voice a hasty temper finds vent in high-pitched tones which by degrees breaks the natural pitch of the voice into a falsetto which becomes habitual such shrill voices are always painful to the ear either in singing or speaking especially with women and boys the vixen always betrays her temperament the instant her mouth is opened in the efforts she makes to speak loud and reach her top note were the shrew to know how she thus labours to increase the vibrations of her vocal cords when one tithe of the effort is sufficient for the natural low colloquial tone she might direct her temper to a better and wiser purpose the vocal organs of every man woman and child act and react contract and expand according to the rise and fall of the voice in the same way and yet although all have faces and voices similar there are no two alike the inner nature stamps its impress on both which may often enough be observed unmistakably like the expression of the features the tone of the voice is a reflection of the character and men are judged favorably or unfavorably according to such impressions as these may make on others a keen insight into these characteristics of human nature is of no little advantage to the ventriloquist who has to seize upon and mimic the eccentricities of voice and manner End of chapter two.